Oh, wait, hold on now, hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, we welcome you to Encouraging Your Spirit, the podcast. I am your host, Chris. Uh, we're so excited today as we're doing our series called Faith Conversations. And we uh, like to welcome the, I wrote down the bio, the transformational therapist, speaker, uh, and coach of Adams Family Wellness, as well as the senior pastor and co-founder of the Way Worship Center. We're so glad to have you. So let's start off with our first question. What's it like to? Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. What's it like to lead uh, the way? Because I know I've been listening to you through the uh, way on the website. But in case they're listening well, that haven't, please feel be so kind as to share what that's like. Well, oh my goodness, um, I have been. Then I planted this ministry. God used me to plant this ministry 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we were a Bible study the first year. And we celebrated 10 years as a formal church last year. Mm-hmm. It is um, <laughs> the simple version. It's like having a being a mother, mm-hmm. uh, a father sometimes, mm-hmm. but a parent to a big family. Okay. A big family who, who come and go. Uh, we mm-hmm. live. We um. We live, and our church is planted in a college town, mm-hmm. but also a town that contains a fort, uh, an army fort. So we okay. have Fort Jackson here, mm-hmm. and several colleges. And so when I say people are coming and going, it's not so much that they are coming and leaving the church, but mm-hmm. they are moving through life. Mm-hmm. And so we fall in love with people, and then we have to release them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, it is. It's like leading a big family. Okay, <laughs> okay. Kids of all ages okay. and um, who grow up with. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah. Did, so how did you, you talked about the call to plant a church. Can you share how that com- came about in your own ministry life? <laughs> it's funny because I had not intended I mean, I, you know, I have some colleagues that say, I knew I was supposed to be a preacher since I was four years old and six uh-huh. years old. And I'm like, um, not me. I That's thought I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I didn't have that aspiration. I grew up in the church. Uh, my mm-hmm. grandmother actually helped found the church that I grew up in. Okay. And so um, I guess you would say that church planting is in my blood, but I didn't know mm-hmm. it. Okay. Um, and so I've always had church, mm-hmm. you know, junior choir, Sunday school, school your, your typical stuff. But um, it actually, I, I was here and I was um, assisting someone else mm-hmm. uh, with the Bible study or just kind of helping them get their ministry off the ground. And God reassigned him to Charlotte. Okay. And I was left here, Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was help, left here with this bible study that i had started and, <laughs> and the people who he moved to okay. charlotte and right um okay, what am i supposed to do with these people and so god um said well now you're going to have to be their shepherd mm-hmm. uh so i said okay <laughs> um i knew that i had ministry within me mm-hmm. but i didn't know it was pastoral okay and so i i i i've the training, the boot camp from ministries and things like that uh, prepared me. Mm-hmm. So when we, um, when I received that call, I, I was, it was like, um, what was it? May of 1999. Mm-hmm. And we opened our door, well, no, of 2000. Okay. And we opened our doors. Uh, excuse me. You know what? Mm-hmm. See, this is me getting old overseer. I'm getting old. I'm adding 20 years. You just let me too. Uh, okay. It was 2010. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> we started. Oh yeah, that's another thing. I I like to laugh. Okay, I like to laugh. So I'm like yeah, me too. Every now and then. But it um 2019 we started the Bible study. Okay, okay. and then May of 20 of 2010 mm-hmm. when I feel as though I had a conversation with God and God okay. was like, you're gonna have to pick up this mantle and mm-hmm. you're gonna have to go with it. And it's been nonstop since then. Um, and I will tell you, I didn't have guidance. I didn't mm-hmm. have guidance. Um, okay. And so I had to do a whole lot of research, a whole lot of pattering um, mm-hmm. and a lot of mistakes. But mm-hmm. we got this ministry off the ground and okay. it's been there ever since. Okay, that's 
that's awesome. I think that's great because um, I know with reading the website about the church and being affirming, um, I, I'm from Georgia originally. Augusta, Georgia is where I'm from. But uh, yeah, yeah, and I remember going to affirming church, not in Augusta, of course. Uh, but when I moved to, <laughs> and that's no shade or malice, that's just, I grew up Christian Methodist Episcopal is what I grew up. And then um, somewhere along the way, of because my parents were ministry leaders and things like that. And then um, I attended also non-denominational churches, but I hadn't necessarily uh-huh. discovered um, that I was gay, or at least I wasn't admitting it to myself that I was gay. So then when I did, I was like, well, how do you really go to church with that? So for a while, I was not going. But all that to say, um, I did find an affirming uh, ministry when I moved to Florida and I, it was a church of the Holy Spirit song. So it was always interesting to um, become a part of that because I literally met them while I was volunteering for the AIDS walk. And I remember the senior pastor at that time was talking about igniting the world through Christ one life at a time. And I was like, I never heard of that. Let me go, you know, check them out. I'd heard of them in the community because people, you know, share churches that they've attended. But I was like, oh, I've just never been over there. But it's always right. great to to learn of where, you know, that's not an issue or struggle. You just go with God and continue to grow and be everything, you know, that you can be. Right. So that leads me to um, my question of, you know, oftentimes within ministry, uh, we meet. Uh, believers, we meet people that are in transition, that's part of life, but we meet them that are scarred from other places and spaces. How do you, as a ministry leader, deal with that to help? And because I know as I was reading your uh, bio about how you're in wellness, how is that part, that reconciliation and healing, how is that incorporated in, in, in ministry, in your opinion? Well, yeah, that's a tough one because I believe that uh, a, a good segment, a majority uh, mm-hmm. segment of our the demographic that we serve and that many affirming ministers serve are mm-hmm. those who have been hurt, mm-hmm. um, have been rejected by mm-hmm. the very uh, institution that we now are presenting to them and trying to tell right. them we're different. Right. So, um, you know, the, heal- the healing measures that we take are um, unconditional acceptance, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I, I see that there are some, even colleagues, you know, who, mm-hmm. who struggle with um, setting holiness standards and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when my personal belief, uh, my spiritual belief is that when people have been hit of, over the head mm-hmm. with holiness so much that they that 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 their sexuality and orientation has been has been molded into that as well. Right. That we have got to. We've got to. Uh, accept people as they are as the mm-hmm. church says it's supposed to but we know it hasn't always right and true. then let god do the work right, you know, right. We, we guide we model we teach but mm-hmm. god will do whatever the work is whatever right. the work is and so we model um unconditional acceptance that's one mm-hmm. um letting people work it out mm-hmm. you know we get a lot of people over the years we've got a lot of people who were trying to test us and that's okay. We don't, you know, I don't get offended by that um, mm-hmm. because they've been told the same thing from every church. Right. Come as you are. Mm-hmm. We're going to love you. God, mm-hmm. you know, we, all that. So it takes a time. When I tell you, Overseer, that it may take someone two years minimum mm-hmm. to just relax. Right, right. Just breathe. Right. Really understand that. Yes, you can come dressed in te- jeans and a t-shirt. Right. Because I'm in, you know, I'm in the South. You grew up in the right. South. Yeah. Yeah. And there are still people who church clothes. Yeah, church clothes. Church clothes. It's and if not I don't church. Offering, yeah. And if I don't have something to put in that plate, right? Then yeah. I'm not coming because that's exactly what those are real things. Taught. That's why right. you were, you know, five years old. And grandma was putting a quarter in your hand because mm-hmm. everybody has to yeah. have something to give. And so making right. it okay, right. and making come as you are real. Also having um, therapy partners in the community mm-hmm. okay. that can really help with some of the more serious cases uh, where mm-hmm. people really come and they say, no, you don't understand. I've been through, we've had people in our church who've been through, um, what is it? The uh, conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. really, that we're not right. far removed from that. Um, right. So, there's some people who need to really sit 
down on a couch and talk to mm-hmm. someone uh, yeah. about that and how it, it runs deeply. I'm going to add this one thing. Mm-hmm. We have a strong, I what I call mother ministry. Okay. <laughs> mother Good. ministry. Right. It's mothers of... <laughs> But, but no, 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 <laughs> it's not what you might think. You have to okay. about mothers of the church. No, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talking about the, some of the members and the people who attend our church. Their mamas will come or they'll tune in on live stream just to make sure, just to try to check us out. And our mothers, their mothers are some of the strongest supporters of our church. Once they realize we're not teaching from a gay Bible mm-hmm. and we're not trying to miss, you know, uh, uh, change the word of God to make it right. or whatever. Right, and right, we're right. actually living it, we're mm-hmm. giving, we're serving, and they're mm-hmm. getting the word of God. Right. And then they come up. I mean, my mother ministry is strong. They that is us. awesome. That's so awesome. They just had to know that one, we're taking good care of the kids. <laughs> and and um, I believe that it's, it's um, afforded a lot of people an opportunity to have conversations with mm-hmm. their parents when parents realize that you didn't do a bad job right, you know, right, just because right. your child um, came out mm-hmm. as a gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. It's not, mama, you didn't do a bad job. And right, right. They're still loved by God. And it confounds these moms you know, mm-hmm. um, and dads. It confounds mm-hmm. them. They're like, how is it that I come here? My child knows the Lord. My child is a deacon. My child, mm-hmm. is, and I thought that they were destined to hell because that's what my bishop said. Right, and right, And so right. it causes, you know, and mm-hmm. but it opens up the door to conversations right. and healing. Right. I think that's good because I was thinking when you talked about that conversion uh, therapy that I know that's a real experience from people because I remember it, it, I didn't have that experience, but I do, it made me think of a story about how I remember this was long, long ago, but one of my first dates that I went out with a girl and I remember uh-huh. went to the restaurant and, you know, then we ordered the food and the food came and I, you know, I don't, I didn't necessarily ask her, did she want to pray? But I just remember, you know, you drop your head and do the grace thing because that's, had been my experience growing up. And I remember when, you know, I finished saying great, it wasn't a long, it wasn't a long prayer. It was just, you know, bless the food, amen. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And I remember she was, her face, facial expression was extremely angry. And I was like, well, what happened? Because nothing had happened that I could think of between the grace and (laughs) the food. And only to learn that she had the experience of going to a, in, in high school going to a church and she had told a friend that she was gay and they brought her up and had the to do the exorcism type you know just say thank you Jesus oh, oh, wow. see and I had no idea because it's like we, we knew each other from work I was working the call center at that time but I didn't know any of the backstory and I'm like wait you know she's angry that you know I'm saying grace because grace to her means this angry Jesus oh, that does not, you know, so I understand what you're saying when you're saying conversion because oh. you meet people that, you know, are wounded. And at that time, I didn't have any, you know, skills or things to be helpful, but I definitely like the idea and and believe in that partnership of with people who might need, you know, deeper help that we can't just provide. So connecting, you know, partnership wise um, is always a good thing because that made me want to ask wow. when we're talking about um, healing, how important to you or what what is what's the connectivity in your mind, heart, and spirit to wholeness? Oh wow. Wholeness is my definition of holiness. Mm-hmm. I know that the Bible defines it and, and you know and scholars define it as being set apart, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that and of course I honor that. But uh-huh. I've also you know said before that how can we place such a strong mandate on people to be holy when they're not even whole. Right, right, right. And so for me, um, the healing journey is everything. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the work that I do within the ministry and outside of the ministry. And so, um, and that brings to mind, um, you know, my stance on us, Mm self-acceptance. I don't, one thing that sets me apart, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't buy into the, um, I don't buy into the, um, the, the the original sin I don't buy into us mm-hmm. being as dirty rags as Paul described himself. Right. Um, I do believe I hear I heard what Jesus said. I read mm-hmm. what Jesus said about right. who we are, and right. to um, only become the more refined 
uh, mm-hmm. versions of ourselves. We have been suppressed so long and repressed so long mm-hmm. that we don't, a lot of people don't even know who they are. They don't know right. that certain attributes that they have that mm-hmm. uh, parents or, or teachers may demonize, they're actually tools that God mm-hmm. has given. I was just, uh, before I even um, joined today's podcast, I was uh-huh. in my, uh, my church's Facebook group uh-huh. and I was reminding them that uh, to be to love on themselves, right? Uh, j- that that sharp tongue, that mm-hmm. sharp tongue that you've always had that has gotten you in trouble, mm-hmm. and that people have uh, told you you were wrong or bad, or you know you need mm-hmm. to do something about that. Yeah, you can shape it up a little bit, but that right. was also a tool that God gave you because you have mm-hmm. the courage and the bravery to speak your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps you are supposed to be a defense attorney, perhaps right? You're supposed a defender of someone who has no voice and mm-hmm. you need to be able to um to stand strong and stand firm and but no you're not supposed to use it as a weapon right but right. perhaps you're supposed to use it as a shield yeah so perhaps you're supposed to speak truth to power mm-hmm. and so um in the wholeness journey we mm-hmm. are putting ourselves back together because mm-hmm. um life mm-hmm. uh parents religion right. uh society economy have taken pieces mm-hmm. off of us right. and taken parts away from us. And so uh, we spend a lot of our adult life getting those pieces back to right. make ourselves whole. whole again. And so my job, I feel it's my calling is to uh, one, try to capture our young people before mm-hmm. they start losing so many pieces of themselves mm-hmm. and to assist adults uh, in reclaiming those reclaiming. pieces back yeah. to yeah. get their wholeness back. Yeah, that's really good because I do think things come in pieces as far as our life and how we lose so many parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's just necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. Um, it's necessary to you know reclaim that um, for ourselves. Um, the next question that I had was, what does faith mean to you? Uh, faith, faith for me is no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter how I know that in the, um, the evidence of things not seen, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's believing mm-hmm. at all costs, believing mm-hmm. no matter what, um, having that ultimate goal in front of you, having that impression from God, uh, out there before you and mm-hmm. no matter how the wind blows no matter how the waves crash you stay focused on um on what God has shown you on mm-hmm. what you have placed before you and you believe no matter what that mm-hmm. is going to happen I do believe that uh, a lot of times people fall short right. of the fulfillment or the manifestation mm-hmm. of the promise because we our faith weakens right and so that's not a condemnation on anybody we've all right. had those times when we we, we stop believing and mm-hmm. or we we started getting weary right uh, as we waited right but faith for me is believing um when you have little evidence believing when you had no evidence mm-hmm. and then taking your faith and putting it into action okay that faith without works is dead we know that's mm-hmm. the bible but really making i challenge my i challenge my congregants i challenge mm-hmm. them and um you say you want let's let's make it material let's say you want a um a vehicle, then mm-hmm. baby step one, uh, an act of faith, baby step one would be going by a keychain for the keys. Right, right. Going ahead and buy the keychain. Right. Go get the floor mats right, for, the, right. for the car that you mm-hmm. want. You want to be specific, then you want a Honda, go get some Honda floor mats. So mm-hmm. You're not going to put Honda floor mats in a Fiat. You right. Know? You want, you're not, I want right. a Honda. <laughs> so I'm going to get the Honda floor mats. Right. And that's what I'm going to, to get. Um, mm-hmm. If you're paying for a piece in your marriage, and right now it's, it's, it's kind of turbulent, but God has shown you that no matter how it looks right now, there's going to be peace. And you've said, God, because um, I believe in being specific, God, within a year, within this year, my, my wife and I, my husband and I, my spouse and I, we're going to be back on one accord. We're going to be back on the same page. We're going to go ahead and book, book the hotel room for y'all mini vacay. Go ahead mm-hmm. on vacation for November and put your faith into action. Put that mm-hmm. build that momentum towards your faith. If you say you believe, go on ahead and start acting as though it were so. It's already done. Call that which is not as though it were. So you know what? Because I believe so much in what God has shown me, 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and book uh, a honeymoon suite uh-huh. for November. It's, it's January now, right? And by November, we should be good. We should be good. We right. should have a good weekend, <laughs> right? You know, I, I, I don't yeah. think I was going to that's right. She just threw that eraser, <laughs> but we're gonna be good because God said it. Right, said it right. And I do believe that it's so important to do that. I've heard that in two different ways. Uh, One, I've heard people talk about that because I can't remember what Pastor Alita was talking about that is it related to, I think there was a couple infertility was an issue. So the person kept talking about, you know, being pregnant and how she bought a baby outfit, the prettiest, but every day she would look at the outfit and she would start talking about, well, you know, at this time, I'm not going to be able to work because I'm going to have it. But that was just, it was like setting your um your mouth or, or toward whatever and, and 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 while that's fertility and that might not necessarily be you know a person's uh goal you know you, you just said you know the car or you could think about you know the house or you could think about the things or just peace within your spirit it could be any goal but it's the steps that you take of it, take toward it and it also made me think about how in my own life and I think I did like a mini video about it uh, how that happened to me and I was telling um, my spiritual dad is uh, James Triplett and um, I was telling him and another leader about the experience I had about a job um, a couple of months ago at the library I'm a librarian and uh, they were had this position called a unit head librarian that was opening in math because the person was retiring. And I kind of thought about applying for that job. Um, and then I looked at the, the tenants that they said, and I told myself that I only met three out of the seven. That's what I said. And then it's also true that I'm a doctoral student and uh, in information science. And I was like, it's been such a, a journey to figure out how to, to be a student and work my current job. How will I even get to that point? So those were all the things that I said. And then also I was saying, oh, you know, well, you know, with this, you know, with this program, you know, maybe what I really want to be is to run my own lab and get to teach again. And um, so I, I talked myself completely out of the job. I did. I mean. And so then they announced, you know, who they had hired. And when I looked at who they hired, it really wasn't about his qualifications. But when I thought about all the things he said, he was always talking about being the unit head. He was, and I felt sad. And I mean, I remember, I remember being convicted and Alba was like, well, he showed me all the things that I had said. And I was like, I didn't even believe in me. So those words you know, came back. And it's not that I believe that opportunity was missed. What I did believe was it taught me that the power of our words, they come back to you. So what is it that you're speaking about yourself? What is it that you're believing about yourself? Because you do walk toward those things, whether it's a job or whether it could be, it could be anything. That was just an example, but it was a real something that you could reach out and it just showed me where I was in belief with my words about who I am and my abilities and how that area isn't as strong as it could be. Those are the things that you're like, oh, I, I didn't know that my life was going to be the lesson of today. But I, I learned in that experience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just fascinating to me to learn that. Um, it is. The other question that I have is, uh, how have you seen God's goodness? Oh, my gosh. Let me count the ways. But um, <laughs> the one thing that I had I wanted to share is provision, mm-hmm. provision. I see God's goodness in provision to mm-hmm. keep a ministry thriving mm-hmm. for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, not one grant, overseer, not one grant, mm-hmm. not one loan. Mm-hmm. God told me a long time ago, the people will finance the ministry. Right, right. And for the first eight years of the ministry, mm-hmm. I actually did not even teach tithing. Okay. I teach tithing because I oh. knew who I was working. I knew who I was dealing with. Right. I knew that so many of the people that were coming into my ministry were mm-hmm. anti-church. They were tired mm-hmm. of church. They were burnt right. by church. They wanted to see fruit. Mm-hmm. They had already been raised with the whole tithing thing. Mm-hmm. They've been raised with that. And mm-hmm. just like the comedians would say, my yeah. mom been tied into this church for 25 yeah. years. They put a door knob on the church. <laughs> right, right. That's what it was. I heard yes. that. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. And so yeah. I ended up teaching the, um, the biblical and contextual truth about the tithe. Right. And when I began to teach that, 
people started giving more than 10%. Right. Because they felt free. They right. didn't feel as though somebody was forcing them and mm-hmm. putting their, their um, commitment on the line. And if you were really serious, you would do this, whatever. And mm-hmm. it gave them, we are opened up to cheerful giving. We mm-hmm. focus more so on um, being a cheerful giver, being right. obedient giver, um, right. and being transparent in the right. ministry and saying, okay, these are the bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. the, it wasn't, we took the mystery out of it, out of it. and uh, gave people the um the transparency that people deserve i'm not saying right. that everybody was in the books but right. i am saying that the people who financed the ministry they right. had they were they were had a presentation at the at two times of the year that's like right. okay, this is where your money is going this is what, what ideas do you have what fundraisers do you and have i think that is so that is extremely helpful because it made me think about at my last church when i was in florida and this was some years ago um a lot of the jobs that i held in the church was i was the treasury uh, director or person, you know, that, you know, you help count the money, you uh-huh. make the deposits and you could, and it was also transformative in seeing where the money went. You'd also was transformative in seeing, you know, the pastor, but it would hurt me because sometimes when you didn't take in enough, whatever is enough, when he would give back his check yeah. and I'd be like, I'm just not going to accept right. because, you know, and so, but then eventually you might have to um, accept that. But I think it was, right. it was a lesson to learn too in believing because I often would wonder, well, why won't they teach about tithing? But then it was also learning what you said. People have often been beat so on the head that they weren't in a space to hear tithing, they weren't on the, in a space at that time yet to hear giving. Later, they did get to that point because that church has pretty much been in existence right. now over 20 years. But I, I understood later why that was because of the, the very reason that you said is about, you know, that that's a, a concept. And I think the transparency of having the meetings where people talk about this is where where we at. This is what we're giving. This is where it goes. These are all the bills. That way, there's no darkness. There's no chance for the idea of deception because you're putting everything you know out there. So I, I definitely think that that's great. Um, yeah, and I, so I've seen God's goodness in the area of provision. provision. God has provided mm-hmm. whenever our ministry needed anything. Right. God has provided. We've had angel donors that mm-hmm. we just give a mysterious donation out of nowhere. Right. Um, and people will provide. And so God has done exactly what God said God was going to do when it comes right. to making sure that this ministry right. stays alive. Okay. What do you see as the best thing that God is doing through you? Proving the gospel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Proving the gospel. And what I mean by that is I have come to understand mm-hmm. to my disappointment that there are a lot of us. When I say mm-hmm. us, it is mm-hmm. leaders in ministry mm-hmm. and people and believers mm-hmm. who we read the gospel, right. we teach the gospel, we preach the gospel, but we don't live the gospel. Right. And it's not just because we're faking or phony or we're putting on, um, don't people don't trust the gospel. Right. And yeah. that's disheartening because, and, and I've been there, you know, where we, we teach it and we preach it and we believe it. And um, my old uh, pastor used to say, um, he would pray that uh, we experience the Amalekai chapter, uh, Amalekai three blessing mm-hmm. in that um, when God pours out more than we have room to receive. And mm-hmm. he would he would have his own little theological slant on it that I right. necessarily agree with, but I get it that people, we say those things, but do we really believe that right. we can have really more abundance than we could even make room for? Right. And so, um, I love other concepts, you know, when we talk about forgiving, but then we won't forget. That doesn't go with it. You know, <laughs> you don't get to forgive. But I can forgive, but I'll never forget. That's yeah. not the gospel. Yeah. No. You're not really free. No. Nope. So again, it's not condemnation. It's just this idea that um, I can preach it, I can teach it, I can read it, but that's not really, you know, right. really like this. Yeah. And yeah. so I really work hard to prove the gospel with my own life and then to teach other people and to have, um, cause I'm real big on witness. One of the, my right. biggest pillars of ministry for me is witness because witness. I want, I'm tired of Christians being hypocrites. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of Christians being hypocrites yes. and for being hypocritical. Right. Because now, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, now uh, people don't believe you 
when you mm-hmm. say, well, I'm a Christian, that already comes with its own set of, you know, yeah. stuff when you say I'm a Christian. Yeah. Sometimes people don't even want to say that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I don't even want to say I'm a Christian anymore because Christians have its own, its own um, set of descriptors. Right. Judgmental, right. right. thumping, uh, holier than thou. Uh, trying to change you, always trying to tell you that you're wrong. And and, uh, and so um, the gospel is supposed to be empowering. The gospel is supposed to be freeing. And right. so I'm, I work my hardest to prove that I'm living this. No, I'm not putting on. Mm-hmm. I'm really living this. Right. And I really am, you know, free or I really am healed or I really am. I really do walk into um, decisions, having consulted mm-hmm. God and it works out in my favor. Right. And that's the way right. it's supposed to be. So Proving the gospel. Proving the gospel. That is wonderful. What is one thing that you wish that you had known and or that people had told you? It could be anything. It could be ministry or in your everyday life. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. Go for it. I wish at that time, I wish that I had had, um, when I first started this ministry and Mm -hmm. God first used me to plant, it would have been handy <laughs> to have <laughs> a bishop or an apostle or something, you know, guiding me to be able to tell me everybody don't want it. And I say it just like I grew up in Georgia. Everybody don't want it. Oh, yeah. Because you grew up in Augusta. I grew up in LaGrange, Georgia, on the other okay. side of the state. I know where you're talking everybody about. Everybody don't want it. No. Right. And um, and that was, that was, I wish somebody had told me that mm-hmm. because then I could have better gauged my energy <laughs> yeah. and, and, and asked for more discernment. So that I could see it a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I didn't realize, and I ended up wasting a bunch of trolls among swine. Yeah. And I don't mean that kind of way because I'm that person. I mean, right. my members could probably, my leaders, they, I get on their last nerve because I tell them, I if I see somebody drowning out there, and that's uh-huh. usually somebody who's um, who needs to know God, mm-hmm. their life would be better than you, God. Right. And, and I see them out there drowning. And my members will say they don't want it. Apostle, they don't want it. Apostle, they're going to fight you. Apostle, they don't want it. And here I go, well, let me go get them. Yeah, right. right. I'm going to die out there. And right. I'm going to go get them. Yes. And I tell them, I say, and so y'all jump. Don't worry. I know you see what you see. Mm-hmm. I know that you see that they're going to try to fight me. But I uh-huh. believe God. I believe God. That's right. Me. right. And so y'all put, a, y'all put a rope around my leg. Okay? And pull and me back. They, you see them me struggling because they fight me. Pull me back in. Pull me back in. <laughs> Pull me back in. Because, but I'm going for it. Yeah. I'm going for it. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that that's the best tactic to take. I wish somebody had told me in the beginning, uh, Tiffany, everybody don't want it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my um, spiritual mentors that came along about halfway through my uh, my ministry career, she said to me, um, she said that, um, Everybody don't want meat and potatoes. You serve meat and potatoes. Everybody don't want meat and potatoes. And you serve people uh, and you try to teach them how to cook for themselves. And she mm-hmm. said, uh, some people just want a sandwich. Not mm-hmm. even a sandwich, a sandwich. A sandwich. She's Carolinas too. Mm-hmm. She said, they just want a sandwich. They want just enough to come to the table, uh, eat the sandwich, and just keep coming back to the same table mm-hmm. instead of be eating the real meat and potatoes and being taught how to cook for themselves, how to understand for themselves, how to take their relationship with God for themselves. And so uh, that has probably been one of the things that I wish I had known before. That way I couldn't have, I wouldn't have wasted so many pearls and so much time right. on um, people that don't want it. I'm not saying the people that know they need it, they're just taking a while. They're going to struggle, they fight back and forth, but there are some who just simply, they don't, don't want it. Yeah. And I think that, I, I, w- I wish I had known that. Right. And that for me, I think that's something that's been the hardest thing to know and to accept because you can, I guess I'm always a a, a bad thing and a, a gift and a curse is being a people pleaser and deeply caring for people. But then you also understand that sometimes they don't want, they don't want that, you know, you, they don't want, want whatever that is. And I remember hearing that some years ago, I remember an elder in Florida used to talk about, you know, one of the hardest things to accept is that some people struggle with 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 he, he's called it struggling with um with with uh healing he was a therapist he was like i see it every day he was like it doesn't matter how many tools you give them it doesn't matter how present you are with their you know he was like it, it, for some of them that that ability to go into the heal space or the heal place they are going to fight you for it even though you just really want the best for them you just you're not telling them how to live you're not telling them how to do anything you're just providing this but 
they don't want that. And that it also made me think of my parents, how they used to growing up. My mother used to say, you got to want it for yourself. Now, she was talking at the time she would use that as her lecture for school. But later I realized that's everything in your life. If you want a better anything, you have to want it for you. Because if you don't, then you can have all the resources and all the people to cheer and applaud and be there for you. But it still leads back to you. Which leads me to my last set of questions. What advice? would you give to future ministry leaders and or people in daily life? Oh, goodness. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard one. It's a hard okay. one to narrow down because mm-hmm. I feel as though I'm called to groom, help groom the next generation of ministry okay. leaders. And okay. so there's so much that I want to share. But to, to just, you know, to make it short and sweet, I would say most importantly submit to the process mm-hmm. that's future ministry leaders and people in daily life okay whatever process whatever Excuse process me. whatever mm-hmm. healing process whatever educational process whatever time you need to mm-hmm. in a relation new relationship parents um and especially in the care of souls mm-hmm. ministry leaders submit to the process mm-hmm. um one of the things that's unique about um about ministry that you won't find anywhere else um, is that we see people uh-huh. or people have an anointing mm-hmm. and they believe that they can begin to operate with just the raw anointing, no mentorship, no grooming, no training, no classes, no nothing. Right. And so one thing I feel is though over the years and, you know, what God has shown me, would you walk into, and, and this is, the care of souls we're mm-hmm. talking about. Like you were talking about earlier, broken people, unhealed mm-hmm. people, people who have been hurt. Um, just because it's your soul and your heart doesn't mean that it, it, it's actually um, more impactful than physical. Right. You know? So would you have somebody who, um, would you walk into a surgical center or hospital or doctor's office for, because um, you're having chest pains or you have a gash in your arm and the person walks in and they say, I didn't go to school or, you know, I didn't do all of that. Right. I just feel as though I'm- I can do this. Yeah, that's- Operate that's, on your yeah. heart, on your brain. You would yeah. laugh them right, you'd be so mad. You probably right. don't have the heart attack right there in the dark office because you're like, would. what is going on? Right. Uh, you, you wanted to see- a, a, a degree, a credential, a white coat, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and I'm not even a, a seminary pusher because right. I'm not seminary trained. Right. So, right. but I had my years of ministerial mm-hmm. training, um, you know, to to put me in a place where I am along with my, um, my own anointing and gifting. And so I would say submit to the process. If uh-huh. you are, you know, if you're anointed and you're gifted, guess what? You'll still be anointed and gifted. Right. <laughs> the training, the mentorship, right. and you will do a little less harm. I really That's wish hard. that um, ministry uh, would take on the medical mantra of do no harm. Oh, that right there. I really do. That right there. there. That, that is, that's deep right there. I, I say that because I, what I see often is you meet these people that they're already scarred and they're already wounded. And I always say when I talk to people or teach people anything on the podcast or on the YouTube, please let me no let, let, let me not inflict further harm because I'm not trying to wound people further and it to me it, it it opens up the conversation about cultivating space for people yet bring other people because if I'm, I'm not a therapist I'm not but I do know some and we'll bring them in the room because I can pray with you I can teach you some things but there's some places and spaces I don't have that that's not my skill that's not my knowledge that's right. not my tool bag but I'll bring the people that they need to come on in here to help you with that because I can't, but I also don't want to be in the space that just further, you know, hurts you, you know, it's because it's, it's, that's often the challenge. Like you were saying earlier, when you talked about how, you know, when you say you're Christian or, you, you know, people don't even want to say that. I, I had a, a part-time job a while ago. I worked at Barnes and Noble as a retail bookseller. And one of the interesting thing is they closed or were closing the Lifeway uh, that was in the same um, yeah. Sub, you know, same area. So we would get a lot of the people mm-hmm. 
that would come by Bibles. And for me, you know, you have to sell books. So I would, you know, talk about people and just bring up conversation. And then you'd also meet some people that, you know, would go on that aisle by mistake and they would be like, oh, I don't even want to see anything Christian. But you but you would later hear them in their side conversation say because, you know, some other experience or I would meet people that they were buying Bibles and I would ask them, well, what church are you a part of? And they were telling me that they just didn't trust church. They were just going to do it in their house. And I was like, oh, that just feels so bad because that's our space. That's the one place that you should be welcome. Right. To just be there. That's your obvious kid. Uh, you know, even I know we're grownups, but I'm saying that should be the space. And if you just, you don't even feel safe to go out your house, that's, and I've often said to my dad, Dad Triple T, how are we just going to let all these kids walk out and we ain't going to try to go get them? They his kids. Go go get the kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So wow. it's just really, um, it's really wow. interesting in the in the wow. journey. But um, my la- my other question yeah, so is, just submit to the process. Submit to the process. What do you want others to gain from your life? And I think you partly said that because you talked about being a witness. Um and proving the gospel in your life. Is there any other thing? Hope, um, hope and possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not shy with my testimonies, plural. Oh, plural. Um, <laughs> right. And so uh, hope and, and possibilities uh-huh. because um, my goodness, I don't think that anybody I grew up with saw me becoming a spiritual leader (laughs) okay uh, anything's possible right anything anything is possible you know I I grew up in poverty in Mm LaGrange Georgia and um and when I look around you know I just have so much gratitude when I Mm -hmm. I look around you know as where I, I live the lifestyle that I have and I'm not even rich in the material sense um you know but I'm so fulfilled bills mm-hmm. paid. We don't worry about anything. You know, we can have vacations and whatnot. Our children are safe. Um, I no longer live in a place where you know, I hear gunshots and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot um, or worry about eating, you know, not having enough food to eat. That's just that. Um, I'm living the thing that I wanted, what I, you know, once it became my dream, right. I'm living that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a piece that, that, that um, surpasses understanding. That's awesome. And uh, I will hold out hope for reason and help people see that anything is possible so I would like for you know people to as they get to know me or hear any one of my testimonies Mm -hmm. to know that redemption is real that um when Jesus said I didn't come to to condemn Mm -hmm. but to uh to set free Free. that that's real that you we hold ourselves hostages to our sins and mistakes. Mm-hmm. God does not. God does not. But, I you know, love what that. Yeah. What was the point? Yeah. What was the point? Right. Continue to put, mm-hmm. you know, so we end up putting, we take Jesus down. Off, I'm going to say this often in my church. We take Jesus down off the cross and then we put ourselves up on the cross. I was telling my people all the time, get off the cross. Get, get off, off the cross. Okay? Right. Get off the cross. And stop holding yourself hostage to your, your sins. I said it's often like Juneteenth where mm-hmm. people didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know mm-hmm. they had been free. And right. they're still walking around in chains and in bondage. And so um, even after the rest of the country was, the slaves were set free. So I want that people to understand that. I mean, redemption on all levels mm-hmm. is possible in your body, in your mind. Uh, like I got to oversee it when I tell you I have been um, admitted to a mental institution 20 years mm. ago, literally 20 years ago. I'm 44 years old. I was okay. weeks pregnant with my son mm. and I was on suicide watch at a, mm. at a mental institution because wow. of major depression. Right. And, um, and so I believe it. That's another reason why I'm so strong about the healing journey, the mental mm-hmm. healing right. journey. And right. um and just all sorts of things you would think that, it, and some people would say, well, God, you know, may let you go through those things so that you can be, and if that, that's fine, that's fine, right. I, I accept that, but, um, but if God brought me into it, mm-hmm. then God has also brought me through it and out of it, so that right. I could be a witness to other people, and so uh, I would say hope, uh, what I want gain, people to gain from my life is hope, possibility, and you know when I'm when I'm leaving this this earthly existence or have gone already, it's 
it will inspire my life will inspire somebody to say you know what if she could do it then I definitely can do it or if God turned her life around financially mentally physically uh spiritually uh her heart my heart was hard when my mom died when I was 10 years old she died of Mm -hmm. cancer and my heart hardened Mm -hmm. and now like I was telling you before I have a heart that will 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 drop into the deep end right get somebody right but I know that uh, 30 30 years ago I wouldn't try, you could drown 30 years right. ago, you could drown, yeah. you know, yeah. but now I'm yeah. risking, you know, my, my life to go and help people regardless of how they treat me. I don't right. care. This is what I'm doing for God. So it is anything's possible. Yeah. I think that's, that's amazing because that's one of the things that I love about the transformative power of, of Christ is redemption and hope. Because I was thinking when you talked about, you know, um, mental you know illness or just the transformation in health and and in your mind and your heart and life I could think about my own life about how I can remember being in graduate school and I, I, I came across years later some of the um poems that I was writing there was so much darkness I mean I did reach out and go see a therapist but I was like you know when I think about it and and Miranda Curtis is sing, sings that song about thank you and she talks about how she could have been a memory there's so many of us that you know had there not been spaces and places that people that came in and they came and got us out the darkness and now we use our because I believe your whole life is ministry it's it's one thing I definitely believe that you know, we are called to do various things, but every part of our life always is all of it. Everything is, is an experience that we can share and, and inform others to say you're not by yourself. You're not you know alone because it's one of the reasons I like the podcast or use it as a platform. So there's something you can go to this address and know that you're loved and cared for that. You know, I know you might have heard the word this way, but this is what it means. This is what I think it means. And this is how you can apply it to your life and hear other people right. go over there. <laughs> you can right. hear this and you you it, it's an inclusive space i was love is for everyone there are no exclusions and let you know the work that i does through us be lived in your life it, it all looks different i think yeah. the challenges in ministry is we try to or some people try to decide what the transformation looks like but we don't get to do that not even in our own life i, I was God, that this is how it ended up and i don't have a complaint about it i'm just saying we don't we got to take our hands off of it and let you know God do the work. Last question of the day: uh, Who mentors you? Because you talked about the importance of mentors. So, well, maybe not who mentors you, but who have been transformative people in your life that lift you up? Well, okay. Well, let me brag on some folks then. Okay, go ahead. Um, I mean, from a distance because. Um, I probably well before I, I um, founded this church. I most recently had I come out of Redemption World Outreach Center under Ron Carpenter, Ron and Hope Carpenter. Yeah. And um, when they were in Greenville, mm-hmm. and so he will always be my teacher. He mm-hmm. will always be my teacher. And okay. I model a lot of things in ministry after him. So mm-hmm. uh, he has been a teacher. Um, at the time I served, I was an armor bearer to mm-hmm. um, a woman whose name is uh, Pastor Ma- Maggie Rivera. Okay. And she um, taught me how to love. She taught me how to love and how to love uncondi- and how to honor people. Right. She would call, we were in youth ministry together and she would call the little boys, you know, sir and mm-hmm. and lady, you know, for the girls. And, and it was just, she taught me how to honor people at different levels and how to serve. But um, that right now, um, Apostle Von Harrison is my midwife. Right. Okay. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> she, she's my midwife. Um, we have a, a colleague, a sisterhood kind of relationship. Um, you know, we love on each other. We min- we um, minister to one another. And she, um, you know, was one of the people. She is one, you know, the person who was like, "It's time." You know, you're a diamond in the rough, and it's your time. Uh, a couple of years ago, to, for people to to know and for you to step into mm-hmm. your role and who Good. you are in the in the movement. And mm-hmm. so, I I always give her honor as being a fire underneath mm-hmm. me, you know, so uh, come out of your cave, right. and come out of your home. <laughs> okay. you know, you've been doing the work of the kingdom for so long, but people awesome. don't know you. And, and so um, you need to do that. And then um, early on, early on, um, Bishop Denadrick McClooney, mm-hmm. uh, I take a lot of pearls from him 
Um, he's always been somehow, you know, he's always been one of the, the persons, excuse me, who will call me to my next level. Mm -hmm. um, he was the per first person to call me an elder. And then mm -hmm. I was, you know, um, uh, became an elder. And then he was the first person to call me a pastor. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, I became a pastor. He's one of the first people to call me an apostle. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, began to walk into those. So if you ever have people who call you higher, mm -hmm. um, he was one of those people. And I, I quote awesome. him and some pearls that he dropped along the way mm -hmm. often, often. Okay. Um, and then even outside of the, even outside of the movement, you know, I have people that, um, that I glean from who teach um, metaphysics and who, who teach higher consciousness and things like that, you know, right. that I look to like your Lisa Nichols and um, Joe Dispenza or even um, goodness, just some of the thinkers in the world. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, I have some, some folks that who um, colleagues that we can call, we can talk, we can pray, we can cry, we can fuss right. and um, keep each other lifted. Okay, awesome. Well, I thank you so much for being willing to be a part of Faith Conversations. How can people reach out and get in contact with you? Well, um, oh goodness. Well, people can find me, of course, on, on Facebook mm -hmm. at uh, Tiffany Adams Global, mm -hmm. uh, as well as on Instagram at Tiffany Adams Global. Uh, try to keep my branding simple, <laughs> Tiffany mm -hmm. Adams Global. Okay. And um, you can find our ministry. Uh, our website is the way WC as in worship center, the mm -hmm. way WC.org. And, um, and I, you know, I left somebody out what I absolutely oh, never do. And that's my wife. Okay. My go pastor. All right. Uh, uh, RG Adams. Okay. Uh, she is my light and she is my helpmate to meet and my pastor okay. as well. And so, um, and so she who finds a good wife finds right. a good thing. Finds a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, they can find me online. Uh, like I said, Instagram, Facebook, Tiffany Adams Global, or um, or and Adams Family Wellness is also um you mentioned in the beginning, AdamsFamilyWellness.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. You have a great week. Talk to you later. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.